0: Hi, this is Busty Letish, and welcome to my podcast, Work Bitch. In this podcast, I merge my 20-plus years experience as a marketeer and customer experience professional in the corporate world, together with my experience as a burlesque performer, to give tips to performing arts professionals about how to think more like a business. My goal is to help you Make more money, get more bookings, and generally just get everything that you deserve. In previous episodes, I've talked about creating a career, getting and giving advice, branding, and target groups. And today we're going to the next step, which is the funnel, the sales funnel, the marketing funnel. It's a funnel. Why a funnel you might ask. Well, we use a funnel when we are drawing this uh process that people go through when thinking of buying something because at every step of this process, the pool of people becomes smaller and smaller. And you will um uh, you will hear that when I go through each phase, but obviously I am aware of many, many, many products in the world and I didn't buy all of them, almost because I'm a shopaholic, but not quite. And then of the products that I bought, I don't love all of them and I don't recommend all of them, but I recommend some. So basically at each phase of my purchasing process, I might not move to the next stage. So it looks like a V and that's a funnel. The supermarket where I do my groceries used to have three and a half aisles of meat, chicken, pork, beef, a few years ago, just a few years ago. Nowadays, it only has two and a half aisles of meat and a full aisle has been replaced with meat replacements, so vegetarian uh, meat alternatives. This change didn't happen overnight. If I look at myself, when I became aware of meat replacements, I wasn't really into it. I was judgy and I didn't think it was for me. But I was exposed to meat replacements. I read about it. I, I learned why it was good to eat less meat. I, I read about how these things were made. I tasted it at friends' houses who uh, cook vegetarian. And one day I decided I wanted to try. So I tried. I liked it. And then from that moment on, I decided to buy, you know, different kinds. I've tried almost everything they have at the supermarket. And nowadays there are even some brands I like, some brands I don't like. Some products I go back to, some products I try only once. So I went through a journey from being aware that meat replacements exist, but not thinking this is something for me, to now being a regular buyer of meat replacements and even having preferences on the product and the brand. This is the process that every one of us go through when buying something. So there are some products we are already aware of. So let's say if I see a new KitKat, I'm aware that KitKat has new products all the time. I'm not aware they have a Sakura flavor. But I can make the decision from seeing the Sakura flavor KitKat to buying the Sakura flavor KitKat pretty fast because I'm impulsive when it comes to food. And also it's not a big purchase. There's not a huge impact if I don't like it. Okay, I wasted a few euros. Um, It's not really a big deal. If I'm talking about a purchase that is, you know, rarer, something I don't buy very often, and that is more expensive, or maybe something more personal, I will obviously spend more time between the moment I become aware and the moment I decide to buy. So these phases through which all of us go through when deciding to buy something, this is what we're going to talk about today. The first phase where everything begins is on awareness. Awareness means knowing that this type of product, this world exists. So, In my meat example or meat replacement example, it was not about knowing which brand exists or which product exists. When you don't know anything about this product, it's really about knowing, hey, meat replacements exist, right? So this is typically the kind of um, advertising where it's not so much about the brand It's not so much about the final product. It's really about making people aware that the category as a whole exists. So if I look at the performance art, for instance, I think most of the population of the world knows that live music exists, right? Everyone is aware that concerts are a thing, that they exist, it's not like that for all the performing arts. For instance, burlesque in the Netherlands has a very low awareness. If I stop someone on the street and ask them, what is burlesque? I would bet nine out of ten people don't know what it exists or what, what it is. And it's like that for a lot of, let's say, fringe um, fringe type of acts, um, and what does it mean? It means that your pool, your audience to begin with, is actually small. If they don't even know that storytelling exists, then they're for sure not Googling storytelling and they're definitely not going to book a storyteller, right? They're not even aware it's a thing. If you're working in a field where there is low awareness, your job should include building awareness for your type of work. How do we do that? This is typically by using mass media. This is really where your TV appearance will make a difference and where being in the newspaper will make a difference. Because, again, people who are not aware are not searching for you. They're not searching for your competitors. They're not searching for that whole world at all. They don't know it exists, right? So this is really important to be aware of where your category is in people's mind in the place where you are. And please be realistic about it. Uh, You can even really go out on the street and stand there for 15 minutes and safely... From a distance, ask people what they know, and then I will give you an idea. And of course, last week we talked about target groups. So you can think of your awareness within your target group, right? If your target group is the vintage community, maybe they are more aware of burlesque. Could be, but maybe not. But if you want to reach the vintage community and you want to build awareness for the vintage community, then you would look at a mass media that these people will read. So a website for the vintage community, a magazine for the vintage community, right? So awareness. If you are evolving in a field where awareness is low, you cannot expect that people will go straight from reading the article in the newspaper about you to buying a class, because at that point, there where I was when I discovered that meat supplements were a thing. They're aware, but they don't think it's for them, right? Maybe some of them think, ooh, that sounds cool. But most of them are just, oh, okay, um, drag is a thing. It sounds strange. I don't know if it's for me. Most of the time, people in the awareness phase know something exists, but they don't think it's for them. So stage one, awareness. The media for awareness is mass media because these people are not searching for what you're selling. Once people are aware that something exists, it's about creating interest, right? Educating people, explaining to them the advantages, what the experience feels like, what the benefits are of meat supplements. So more communication, still most likely in the the mass, and you could include the interest in your um, press release, of course, right? If you're doing press releases to the media, then you're going to talk about the category and you're talking about the benefits, Why should people do pole dancing? All the benefits of pole dancing, the history of pole dancing, creating interest. This is also a moment where maybe you want to feature people who are doing it and explain what they are getting out of it. This was also a a podcast episode uh, I did, explaining the benefits of that entire category. So at this point, it's not really about comparing my um, yoga class to the yoga class of the studio across the street. It's just saying we have yoga, yoga classes exist and we have yoga classes for, I don't know, pregnant people, right? Just to create the awareness and then the interest. Oh, pregnant, pregnant yoga classes, that could apply for me. So this is the moment where you want to explain what are the benefits of the entire type of products that you are selling. Interest. When you create interest, that's when, first of all, you need to really relate to that target group exercise that we did last last week. So what would be interesting to my target group? Again, if I go back to the vintage community, they might be interested in doing burlesque because of the vintage uh, connection between burlesque and in the past, right? Maybe because of the look, maybe because of the um, vintage uh, clothing that you can use, maybe because of the, the hairstyle, maybe the music, Right, so what is the hook? What is the benefit for these people who are now aware to be interested? And you can have different press releases or blog articles or anything you want for different target groups, right? Because I could say, okay, um, poll classes, let's talk about the benefits for. People who get bored with normal aerobics class. Mm, You know, they will get stronger. Pole will make you stronger. And uh, at the same time, it's not boring. Let's talk about the benefits of pole dancing to people who are dancers. And maybe they want a challenge. And maybe they want to dance up in the air. And I would show them beautiful pictures of people doing the splits up in the air. Maybe it's about... um, Self, um, self-awareness self or, or, or um, self-love and, and sensuality. And there I would talk about the, the heritage and where uh, pole dance comes from and the sex workers who created and developed that art form, right? So I could have different messages for different target groups, still in the end with the intention of selling my pole dance classes. But at this moment, it's not so much about your product it's really about creating interest for the product in general and the interesting thing is that if you do that if you are the one approaching the press getting on tv or getting in you know blogs or magazines in the end maybe some of the people who see you will not buy your product maybe once they do research they will buy somebody else's product but you are growing the whole size of the market And if everybody does it, if every artist does it, we will grow the size of the market together. So this is really an investment to grow the potential pool of customers for everyone. So again, interest is moving people who are aware into thinking, maybe this is for me. Once prospects are aware and interested, we are entering the stage of consideration. Consideration means I'm aware that this exists, I am interested in it, just generally, and now I'm actually considering to purchase it. So this is the moment where people are searching. They remember the word, they remember what the... um. Benefits are, they're interested already, so they are considering. Are there classes in my city? How much does it cost? What kind of people go to this show? Will I stand out? Will I be welcome? Um, Is it at the right time for me? Is it in the right place for me? Will I look like a, a fool if I show up all dressed up? So this is the moment where they are researching the different aspects, and they're maybe comparing what they're finding. Um, They're educating themselves so that they can make the right decision. So this is a moment where they probably might land on your website if they're searching for what you are offering. They should land on your website if you've done your search engine uh, uh, indexing correctly. So this is the moment where you really need to be clear. What are you offering? Uh, what are the benefits? What ti- at what time does it start? For whom? What do I need to bring? Um, how will the class take place? How will the event take place? If you book me, how will the process be of booking me? So they are researching and some people will research. And after their research, they will think, no, this is actually not for me. Right. They will think it sounds too complicated or I think I will stand out at this event. You know, I, I looked I've had that for years, for instance, with fetish parties that I was looking at the pictures and on the pictures, everybody looks so, you know, thin and, 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 and fancy. And I just thought, oh, it's really not a place where I would fit in. Um, and they're losing a lot of people that way. Right. Because they're not showing All the diversity of people who come to the parties, a lot of people like me think, this is not for me, so I will not go. So they are aware, interested, considering, and they drop out. What you want to do is have the people considering actually come. And the next stage after consideration is to convince them to purchase. How can you convince someone who is considering buying from you to purchase? Well, make make them feel like the product is for them. Make them feel like they will be welcome. Make them feel like they will be comfortable. Be 100% clear about all the details. Um, Where, when, what, who, how will it go? But also... Activities, right? Promotional activities, um, trial classes, uh, free first class, uh, discovery day. That's how I got into burlesque. I was so afraid to go to a class, but the Amsterdam School of Burlesque, which is where Busty was born, had um, exploration days, I believe, where you could take a really small, uh, short version of a class uh, on a Sunday, and they had many different classes during the day, and I signed up for the burlesque one because they lowered the threshold i wasn 't committing to a whole curses i wasn 't committing to you know traveling or whatever, so people at this point are afraid to do that new thing, especially if it costs a significant amount of money. How can you convince them to try right? How can you convince them that? it's not too much money for what it is, or or there's low risk. This is in business where we offer the 30-day money-back warranty, which, by the way, no one uses, but somehow it convinces people if they think, I don't know if it will work for me, I don't know if I will like it, 30-day money-back warranty, no questions asked, and then people buy. Because it's about removing that fear that they have of making the wrong decision Or maybe looking like an idiot or, you know, feeling out of place. So how can you remove that fear? And you can do that in different ways. Like I said, showing people like them taking the class or um, showing people like them at your event or giving the names of other companies that booked you so that they are not afraid of booking you because they see, oh, well, all the companies like me also booked this performer for an event, I guess it must be okay. So lowering, removing that fear that people have of wasting their money or making a mistake. That's how we go from consideration to purchase, and that is happening on your website or um, yeah, potentially in your in your social media post. But it's it's really a, a website uh, or an email kind of deal where you explain what is what are you selling. And what are they getting for it? And how will I make this uh, a not scary commitment? Once you've sold the product or the service or the gig or the act to your customer, that's not the moment to relax. Purchase is great. You've made the money. But what you want is a repeat purchase, a relationship with this client. We don't want them to buy again. So, A, your service has to be exactly what you promised it would be. No more, no less. Well, maybe a little bit more is better, but definitely no less. But also, you have to keep them happy. So, you know, send your invoice on time. Um, maybe offer them special um actions if they repeat purchase. Um, you can... um You can track who is buying what. If you're selling something that people will buy um, several times, if you notice that they stop buying, you can also send a repeat promotion, right? Um, If you have uh, a list of customers, you should absolutely ask them somewhere when you're selling if you can add them to your newsletter, Um, maybe even your prospects, anybody who asks you for uh, a a quotation, even if they don't buy the first time, ask them if you can add them on your uh, mailing list. And then in your mailing list, um, stimulate them, right? Talk about the new classes you're offering. Talk about the new acts you've completed. Talk about the beautiful um, shows you've been part of um, so that you keep in their mind and they keep... Uh, being comforted that they made the right decision when they bought you and, and that maybe you have more products that they want to buy in your arsenal. And that's called relationship building and nurturing, because <clears throat> if you count how much effort and time and money it takes to get one new customer, versus how much time, effort, and money it takes to keep a customer, keeping a customer is much easier, right? Once they know you, unless they really hated the experience, which can happen. I've taken classes that I absolutely hated, um, but if they didn't hate it, you should be able to sell them something again, to sell them another class, to sell them another gig, Um, to sell them something else. And that will be cheaper than deploying that whole, (laughs) that whole arsenal to take people from awareness all the way to, um, purchase. So we know that it's cheaper and it's easier and it, it's just a long-term, uh, investment. Now, I think there are some exceptions because I can imagine if you're selling, for instance, performances, to uh, companies, company parties, they really might not want the same acts every year. I understand that. But still, maybe you have completely different acts. Or maybe you can, uh, in your newsletter, include some things from some of your colleagues. Because maybe they don't want to book uh, whatever the, um, um, you know, the vamp glam act again next year but maybe in your newsletter you talk about people you work with and they'll want to book them right so you can also um at least keep the relationship even if they're not really buying your exact product because retention and keeping people is is really important and again it really depends if you're selling acts or to festivals etc or if you're selling. Um, costumes or props or classes Um, but props and costumes and classes you should be able to have repeat customers and that should be your goal and the last stage that we reach is the one of advocacy or advocacy (laughs) my intonation is not great Um, this is when your customers love your product so much that they're talking about it to their friends they're recommending it to colleagues, they're recommended to family. Uh, if they have a friend who's organizing something and looking for performers, they think of you, right? So, this is the ideal when your customers are doing your marketing for you because people will always believe their friends more than they believe a random brand trying to sell them something. And advocacy is obviously if your product is awesome and it's changing people's lives it will naturally create advocacy, right? That's word of mouth, that just happens. But you can encourage it, you can have reviews on your website, you can ask uh, customers after a purchase for a review, right? What did you think of the experience? And ask them, can I use your testimony on my website? There are even some tools nowadays that you can do that automatically after you've made a purchase after someone has made a purchase, they will immediately send a satisfaction study and a, a space to write a review and put it on your Google map or on your website. So it doesn't have to be difficult, but you, you can trigger it. And again, not everyone will reach that stage. Not all your customers will become um, uh, advocates for your brand, but some of them will. So give them the opportunity. The other way you can uh, encourage advocacy is to organize um, having a camera um, after your event and asking people, hey, you were at this show, what did you think of it? And capturing them saying, oh, we loved it. We had so much fun. Or you could um, encourage people by saying, hey, um, if you write a review, you enter a a lottery and one of these people will win a free class or whatever, right? You can and then it doesn't matter if the review is positive or negative. I mean, we're not trying to influence uh what people say, but we're trying to get more people to talk about us. Um, because the more people talk about you the better. So that's advocacy, which is when your customers are doing your marketing for you. Let's recap. People don't go from not even knowing something exists to buying it. They go through a lot of different uh, mental hoops. <laughs> Some of them will be uh, fast and and easy to, to go from one to the other, especially for a small purchase or something that's not really scary, something with a low threshold, um, like being at an event and, and buying a, a 10 euro pin, that's something people can decide relatively quickly. But if you're selling a, you know, uh, a, a workshop that costs a uh, hundred euros or uh, a gown that, that costs 300 euros or a, a show that costs 500 euros, then people are going to need time to go from being aware to being uh, ready to buy And after they buy, your job is not done, you want to create loyalty, you want to retain your customers, you want to grow your customers, and you want them to be advocates for you, right? So we start with awareness, then we go to interest, consideration, purchase, and then retention and advocacy. You can read a lot about this. I think that's the basis for every every marketing and sales strategy in the universe. They have sometimes a little bit different names for the stages, but it doesn't really matter. What's maybe interesting is that at the beginning when I was talking about awareness, I was talking about awareness of a whole type of product like burlesque, because burlesque has very low awareness, at least here in the Netherlands. But even if you are in a very high awareness um, industry, like let's say chocolate, um, if you are starting a new brand in the world of chocolate, you have to go through the same phases, making people aware that there's a new chocolate brand, making people interested in this new chocolate brand, making people consider that chocolate brand. And all the techniques that I mentioned are pretty much the same, that basically... At the beginning of the funnel, when you are addressing the widest group of people you can, you are using the broadest media you possibly can. So this is the right moment for press releases, TV, uh, newspaper, uh, partnering with some blogs that have a big reach. And the closer you come to purchase, the more you're focusing really on your target group. So again, if you're in an industry with low awareness... Don't focus on building awareness for your brand. It doesn't make sense. People don't even know what it is you're selling as a general group. If you're in the chocolate world where people know what chocolate is, then you're focusing on the awareness of your brand. If you have any doubts about this, feel free to contact me. I will take your examples and and explain them. So what I've also explained is that at each phase consumers or potential customers have a different need or a different question that needs to be answered, right? At the beginning in the awareness and interest phase, it's really just kind of exploring what is this um, and what does it mean and what, what does it do for people? Then when they get closer to purchase, it's really about what would this do for me, right? And so because this is the um the logic of going closer to a purchase that also means your messaging is different so if you are in the newspaper you should be talking as general as possible so talk about your art talk about what your show is talk about what you've studied. Talk about the connections to the past. Drop any reference you can hang on to about famous theaters or famous artists who did the same thing. So you want to build references for people, right? So um, maybe this is where I would say, well, I'm a burlesque performer and a lot of people know Dita Fonte's, and, you know, references that people will know. Although my kind of burlesque is not the Dita Fonte's kind, but... Maybe I would still name it just to have a reference point. The closer people are coming to me, to my product and my brand, then the more focused I can be on the message. So that means I can be really clear about the the acts that I'm selling on my website. If you go to my website, I'm also really explaining how does it work when I want to book a burlesque act? Because I know it's a really high threshold for people who have never booked a performer. How will it go? That People ask me that in emails when they book me, like for birthday parties. They say, I've never booked something like this. How much does it cost? How does it work? What do you need from me? So I put all these answers on my website so people you know, don't have to ask. And hopefully that helps them to be convinced. Have that also in your as an email template because you might get those questions via emails. Um, so basically, what you see is that all these brand touch points, which we've talked about in the branding section uh two weeks ago, each of these t- touch points is linked to a different moment in the journey and a different message about the journey. Um The other thing that I want to add is that we often forget about what happens after the purchase. This is something I see happening in every industry, also with my marketeer colleagues uh, at the day job. Uh, after the money is in the bank, we just forget about the customer. Don't, don't. Leave a good impression. Ask them for feedback. Ask them if you can, you know, do any follow up. Um, You know, ask about pictures, um, send a questionnaire if you want, ask them for a review, but keep engaging with them, add them in a mailing list, because it's easier to keep a customer than to create a new one. And, of course, remember that uh, your clients are your best marketeers. They're the ones who can tell their friends, oh, this class changed my life, or you have to go to this show, it was so good, right? Right? Word of mouth is the most powerful thing, more powerful than any any advertising. So nurture it. Um, tell your your tell your students how important it is. Uh, tell your audience at a show how important it is. Help them to promote. Create a hashtag. Create create a hype. Create a you know a, a, a competition where the person who creates the most um, funky uh, social media posts. Uh, we'll get you know we'll get something um so make sure that you nurture your your existing customer base. We've come to the end of this episode, which was about the sales or the marketing funnel. I hope you learned something I hope you enjoyed it as always, feel free to give me some feedback uh if you have any questions or comments, my email address is bustyletish at gmail.com. That's B-U-S-T-I-E-L-A-T-I-S-H at gmail.com. And you can find me on Instagram at Um Thank you very much for listening. Let me know which of these tips you end up using. And until next time, bye.